Hi, we're Robin and Shelby, and you're listening to the Rising Rebel podcast. Through this podcast, our vision is to empower women to go for their dreams and have the courage to stand in their power. If you are someone who wants to live consciously, explore and shift your mindset, deepen your desire for personal growth, and really rebel against the shoulds and limiting beliefs that are holding you back, you've come to the right place. Here, we dig deep into the journey back to self and uncover that inner knowing that allows us to live from a place of alignment and authenticity. If the universe has placed us in your path, get ready because we're going on a wild and expansive ride. If you're on a journey of self-discovery, we've created an incredible experience just for you. Essentially, we've created what we wish we had to streamline our own personal development journey. It's called the Evolve and Expand Online Retreat, and it goes live September 30th. We've curated the best experts, teachers, and coaches from around the globe to bring you a one-of-a-kind learning experience. Some of our own biggest breakthroughs have happened when we least expected it, and often from leaders and teachers who weren't even on our radar. We believe that blending and finding a balance of modalities to serve, expand, and involve your mind, body, and soul is really the secret sauce to initiating quantum shifts. Visit www.evolveandexpandretreats.com to purchase your ticket or enter our giveaway. We've made the next step on your journey easy, accessible, and affordable. You'll get to learn from 27 different workshops and over 27 hours of content, all with lifetime access. So if you're ready to choose you and dive deep, we'd be absolutely honored for you to join us. Hello, magical humans. You've got Shelby here. Welcome back to the Rising Rebel podcast. On today's episode, I get to interview Alexis, also known as the Tough Love Coach. We talk about all things procrastination, ADHD, how it showed up in her life, how it shows up in the life of her clients, and you know, overcoming especially that procrastination and self-doubt and fear and turning it into... Um, big results in life. So it was a very, very fun episode. Alexis is a self-proclaimed tough love coach who helps ADHD entrepreneurs and CEOs take their business from overcomplicated and stressed to fun and simple. She's been coaching for over a decade and loves to bring her authentic personality to her coaching and social media and doesn't want to follow any of the rules of how a coach should be. If you need help with perfectionism, procrastination, being a workaholic, and overcomplicating business, she's your girl. She likes to find the unconscious roadblocks to your goals and help you gain clarity so that you can take control of what you want. You do not have to only be a business um, owner to enjoy this episode. We talk about lots of different things, and she's also joining us inside of the Evolve and Expand online retreat, so you can check her out in one of those workshops. And yeah, let's get started with the episode. Hello, Alexis, and welcome to the Rising Rebel podcast. Hi, what's up? I'm so excited to be here. I'm excited to have you. I was uh, just saying before we started recording you guys can't see us on video, but me and Alexis, we've both got the tats. We both, I mean, I usually have my hair the same as you. We look like we just came back from a workout. We were, yeah, we're channeling similar energies. I love it. Um, where are you in the world? I am currently in Boulder, Colorado, but I'm going to be moving to Denver, which is only like 30 minutes from here, but I'm going to be moving to Denver in like the next three or four months. So, but Colorado, I love it here. Cool. Very, very cool. Where are you at? You're in, are you in Canada? We are. Okay. Yeah, we're in BC. 
love that. Mm-hmm. I've been wanting to go to Canada so bad. I was going to go to Canada like because I lived in Seattle for a bit and Vancouver's right there. And then the pandemic happened yeah. and I never got to go because it closed the borders. So I'll go. One so day. you've never been to Canada? No. And I have so many friends in Canada and all over. So when I go, it needs to be like a two to four week trip because Canada's yeah. huge. And I have people <laughs> all the way, like I have friends in uh, this one girl I know in Nova Scotia. So it's like that far. And then then Vancouver. So it's like, cause they're, they're like the opposites, right? Like, yeah, you need a again. month. Yeah, exactly. So. <laughs> Take the year off, come to Canada. Basically. Yeah. <laughs> awesome. Okay. So I want to just kind of dive into a little bit about who you are, if there's a little bit of a story you could tell us to lead us into like where you came from, where you are now. I'll just give the floor to you, whatever comes through. That's perfect. Yeah, let's hear it. Yeah. So um, I... I always, I never know where to start. It's kind of like depends on the day of like where I want to start my story. So I kind of go with what I usually do. So I went to school to be a high school history teacher. That's what I was supposed to be doing, teaching little high schoolers all about American history. And then I realized like four months with four months left in my senior year that it wasn't what I wanted to do. I kind of had like a quarter life crisis. Like I've been in college this whole time. This is what I want to do. I don't want to be around these kids all the time. It was like a mess. And so, but I still graduated. I got my degree. And at the time I had been dating someone, um, that I didn't realize, but everybody else realized was an abusive relationship. And so I moved with him from the East coast where I was like, it was kind of like in the Philly area all the way to Washington state. And then what we were going to do is we had this whole plan. We were going to like go to LA and we were going to become actors and actresses and models. And we were going to do all this stuff. It's going to be like the best life ever. And, um, it wasn't that, uh, he was definitely a pathological liar because when we got to LA, the place that he said we were going to live didn't exist. I think he kind of just lied to me to make me come with him. And I was just like, you know, not who I am today. So I was just like, sure, I'll do anything. And so long story short, it was a, you know, emotionally abusive relationship. It was, uh, I developed two eating disorders. I was going through a lot and then we ended up being homeless. So I was like sleeping out of my car in the streets of LA for like three months, um, like bouncing around. I would either sleep in my car some nights, I would stay in a hostel some nights. Um, and then I eventually got myself out of that relationship and kind of what I, I, tend to consider the launching pad to my career is I was diagnosed with uh, polycystic ovarian syndrome in February of 2013. And it was like the first time I had anything like medically wrong with me. And I thought I was dying. It, you know, it's, it's, it's not a, you know, a death sentence, but I thought I was dying. And so it like made me realize with like my eating disorder and how I was living and everything. I was like, I have to get my like self in order. And so I just started with nutrition. I was like, okay, I want to heal this naturally. I don't want to get on medication. Cause I was for a little bit and I felt awful. So I was like, I just want to like heal this naturally. And I was in LA, which is like where everything like green smoothies and all the, you know, fun stuff starts. So I was kind of in that place for that. And so I was researching and studying and learning more. And so I started sharing on Tumblr, uh, back in the day. And that was where I first started like sharing on social media. And then I moved from Tumblr to Instagram. And then from there, I just started sharing kind of for accountability, like, okay, I'm meal prepping, I'm eating healthy. And then I shared more a little bit about fitness. And when I started sharing, like people seemed like they paid attention. And so I have always liked being in front of the camera anyway. When I was a kid, my mom would be like filming on like the old like camcorder. And like five minutes into recording, I would be like, can we watch this when we're done? Like, she'd be like, I'm not even done filming. Like, what are you doing? But so I always like being in front of the camera. And so I just started sharing more and more. And then I was like, oh, I'm, I feel better. I want to start helping others feel better. So I got my holistic health certification from um, IIN and 
that kind of was when I started like coaching people. Uh, and then I got into fitness and nutrition and then did that for a while. And I'd always taken like one-on-one -on -one clients, but I was really kind of more into just like the group coaching style. And then, um, with the fitness and nutrition, what I noticed one, what I had the most fun with, and this is like what I tell my clients when they're trying to figure out like what, where, what their niche is and where they want to speak to is like where I had the most empathy was people were coming to me for help with nutrition. But like, I noticed I was never just like, here's a meal plan. Here's fit and like the workouts, whatever. I was always asking, well, why is this hard for you? You're, you're coming to me because you want to, you know, lose weight or you want to get better and you struggle with binge eating, you struggle with this. Instead of just trying to give them a solution, it was like, well, why? And I kept asking why, like, what's the reason that it's hard? And so when I did that, it, I think that, and just asking that question led me more into life coaching because I was like, I'm tired of just giving people like, here's a planner. If you're unorganized, here's a workout. If you can't eat healthy, I want to know the deeper reason why, and like how it's connected to our past and our trauma and all the things. And so that's when I kind of got shifted away from nutrition and fitness and got more into life coaching. And then I got really successful building that business and build it to a six figure business. and was like, Hmm, I want to get more into like the business side of it. I still wanted to help with all the mindset side of things, but I wanted to help. I had a lot of fun working with entrepreneurs. And so then I kind of shifted to that. And that's kind of what brought me where I am today. I, my journey, I literally started as like a vegan recipe page. So when people, I have like a podcast episode on this, but when people are like, oh, I'm afraid to change my mind or what if I want to do something different? I'm like, then do it. Like it, like you know, but nobody's stopping you from changing just because you haven't, if you work hard to build an audience that resonates with you and not just what you have to offer, they'll follow you to the moon. Like they don't really care. Mm -hmm. And if they don't, if they're not going to work with you. They'll probably still just want to follow you to watch what you're doing. I, I can't tell you how many people follow me and don't have a business and like, they still just like watching what I do. You know yeah. what I mean? So it's kind of like what brought me here today. Yeah, I, I agree with you. It's really not always about what we're offering. It's about who we are mm -hmm. and all of the, all of the work in all of the mind, body, soul, everything, whether you're a business coach, you're a life coach, it doesn't matter. It all comes back to the journey back to self. Like it's all about bringing home to self. I, I truly believe. And yes. so, yeah, people, people love you for you. Um, and they'll drink whatever Kool-Aid you're serving that day. Yeah. 100%. <laughs> Yeah. So you, you, you're some of the things that you talk about is, um, ADHD and procrastination. Can you give us a little bit of background about how that came into part of, uh, what you do now? Because that's me, <laughs> my whole okay. life. Like that really just, it, I, and I think this is what like most coaches do. We struggle with something, we figure it out. And then we're like, I feel so great about this because I feel better physically. My business is growing. I'm making money, whatever that thing is. And now, and if we're like helpers, we're leaders, we're teachers, we can't keep that to ourselves. We want to share it with other people. So that's kind of what happened for me. I am like the most ADHD person I know. Um, I've, I have, I know I've had it for like my entire life. I got diagnosed with it when I was like 14, but like there were signs of it very early and, um, procrastinate. What are some of those signs? Just, just for people listening who, yeah. who might be, uh, interested in ADHD a little bit more, cause it's kind of a topic that's not always talked about. Yeah. I find like, there isn't a lot of like just real conversation about it. So if, could we just rewind for a second yeah. and what were some of the signs that you thought, Hmm, I wonder if I have ADHD, like what, what kind of things in life, how was it showing up for you? Yeah. So, I mean, when I was like a kid, kid, like I can look back now and think that at the time. 
I was just being myself. My parents could probably tell that I, that I did, but, um, like looking back at it now, like one of the things was just, I couldn't focus. I just couldn't focus my, my, <clears throat> my mom would always say, cause they're, and I don't want to get too far into it about the difference between ADHD and ADD. Cause now they're saying like, it's only called one thing, whatever, but like they're like a lot of kids would just struggle to um, like want to pay attention or they would just be messing around. Like I would be looking at the teacher, but I would be like counting the tiles behind her head. So it looked like I was paying attention, but I wasn't really. And so it was just really hard to keep my focus. I really struggled with learning in school. I was never good at tests. Um, I was always really creative because that's what people with ADHD are. We're the creatives, we're the artists, we're the entrepreneurs. We want to, our brain works a mile a minute. Like in the book, ADHD.0, he says that we have a Ferrari brain with bicycle brakes. So most people think because it's called attention deficit disorder that we have a deficit of attention, but that's actually not the truth. We actually have too much attention, but we don't know how to control it. And so for me, that was just it. I was just like really high energy bouncing off the walls. Uh, my mom would, um, you know, like when she would tell me to do something in the house, like a chore, she'd have to like grab me by my face and repeat it like 10 times or else I would forget. So like, because people with ADHD typically like the, there's so many things, but one of the main things is that we struggle with executive function. That part of our brain just struggles with executive function and executive function has to do with focus, memory, attention, word recall, all of those things. So like she would be like, go upstairs and grab me the red shirt. And I'd go upstairs and grab her a yellow pair of pants. Like it's like those kinds of things. So it's like, it's not just like, oh, you're just crazy and bouncing off the walls. It can be that. Um, a lot of times the hyperactivity shows up more in, in, in boys than girls, but that would, that was just me. It was just struggling in school, just really struggling with like being able to pay attention and just the memory and all of that. Um, I would try so hard and it was just like, something's not clicking, you know what I mean? So that's kind of what it was, but mm -hmm. there's so many different kinds of symptoms, different kinds of behavior. right. And I know you talk a lot about procrastination too. And I think a lot of our listeners could go like, ding, 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 procrastination. That's something, again, not a lot. A lot of people might say, yes, I have procrastination, but there isn't a lot of people talking about what to do with that or how to help with that. And I know that is something that you you specifically talk about. So could we go down that rabbit hole yeah, a little bit? Yeah. So people, everybody procrastinates in different ways. Um, some people worse than others. And people with ADHD do tend to procrastinate more because for various different amounts of reasons. But again, it goes back to that executive function. It also has to do with like, we thrive off of dopamine and we're like kind of addicted to it, which a lot of people like dopamine, right? But like, we want more of it. And when we, and there's, there's lots of different reasons too, but like one of the things that I have pinpointed recently, just in my opinion with procrastination is like, it's a combination of we want dopamine and we also love novelty. And so like, we like new things. And so when we're doing a task, because we want dopamine by completing a task or doing something new, and we like novelty, we'll bounce to the next task or distract ourselves because we're getting dopamine because it's something new. And we hit, we scratch that itch of like wanting novelty. So that's kind of like related to ADHD. But my personal opinion on procrastination is again, there's a part of your brain that can cause more procrastination. It, there's so many things that can go on. If you have depression, if you have anxiety, the likelihood of you procrastinating is higher. But I do think that there are six main reasons why people procrastinate when we actually get to the root of why, because I think procrastination is a mask outside. We can shelf the idea that we know certain things are going on in the brain. But with that said, six reasons why because it's a mask. We are running from something. If we procrastinate, we don't have to face something. So fear of failure, fear of success, 
worrying about uh, caring about what people think perfectionism all or nothing thinking and needing to know all the answers before we start so fear of failure if i never start i never fail and then i never have to face failure so i'm going to procrastinate fear of success which i like to call fear of change if i never start i never see success because i know i'm going to which means life's going to change which means that the certain people, certain situations, certain habits are going to have to be different. And so if I never start, I never succeed. I never have to face that. Same with everything else. If I never start, then I don't have to worry about not being perfect. If I don't start, I don't have to worry about driving myself crazy with all or nothing thinking. So I think that those are the root of, of why a lot of people are just out there like trying to get better at not procrastinating, but like you have to understand what's going on in your brain. And a lot of what I do and what I help, what I coach people in is helping them understand how they work and how their brain works so they can set their cell, their lives and their business, their daily schedule, their habits up in a way that works for their brain. A lot of people are out there on social media right now, just consuming information from people who are neurotypical and, or from just somebody who's doing something a certain way, not realizing that that way might not work for you. And then they're banging their head against the wall, wondering why their business isn't working or why they have so much resistance. Cause they're trying to work their business. Like, person A when they need to be doing it like person F. And so I think just understanding yourself more and knowing that like, when, even when you procrastinate asking yourself the question, like well, what I ask my clients is like, okay, they, they tell me I've been procrastinating on this thing. So I'm like, if I told you to go, you know, after we finish our call and go do the thing, what will come up for you? What's the first like thought process, whatever. And then usually once we dig a little, they're like, well, I don't know all the answers. Or I feel like every single time I've done it in the past, it needed to be really perfect. And now I'm just stressing. My the, the answers come up when you ask like, why am I procrastinating? Now, if you're just, you have to do laundry and you don't feel like it, that can just be because you don't feel like doing laundry. But usually like the bigger things, the things that matter to us, I find that there are deeper reasons as to why. And we're just trying, there's like a part of us that's trying to protect ourselves, have control, feel safe. And if we can navigate that and work on the root of why we're procrastinating, the procrastination becomes less likely because we're, we worked on why we were doing it in the first place. And then the last piece of this, cause there's two sides of this coin, I think is also the habits of it. And I'm a big habit person. I talk about habits with a lot of my clients. If you have always procrastinated, that's just what your body, your mind, your nervous system is filing away is like, this is our normal process. So when you go to do something and you always procrastinate, if you don't disrupt that pattern by not procrastinating or doing like the different behavior, that's how it's going to always be. So you need to change the habits, which is the neural pathways in our brain that says like, this is what I do when this happens. It'll always be that way. So first identify why you're procrastinating and, and work through that, but then also know that you have to change your habits, which is hard, but the more you do it, the more you'll notice in a, a month, a few months from now, you're like, wow, I don't procrastinate as much because I've changed my habits. I haven't just accepted that I'm a procrastinator. It doesn't have to be that way. I still procrastinate to teach about it, but it's so much less. And I have much more, I have like a way to snap myself out of it versus it being like something that's going on for like six days, you know? Mm -hmm. And I think a lot of reasons like for me, procrastination usually comes down to fear. Like you said, there was those six, those six things. And something I've realized in my life is when I became more, like I always say, like I became best friends. I came, became besties with discomfort. That was a game changer for me because a lot, if you break it down, a lot of these things we don't do because they're uncomfortable and they make us feel out of control or they make us feel all, it could be a host of different things, but 
what do you say to the people who are like, okay, I know I procrastinate. I know this is why, how do I break through being uncomfortable, pushing through the discomfort? Do you work with your clients through discomfort at all? Cause I I'm sure, I'm sure it comes up. Yeah. So I actually have something, I, I 100% do. I actually have something in my, um, like what I call like my, uh, my process essentially is the ICB roadmap. So it's identify confront breakthrough. So confront is where we confront your comfort zone and your specific comfort zone. I think a lot of times when we hear the word comfort zone, the people who know they have, they're, they're scared or they play it scared, or they have, they have obvious fears. They know like, yeah, I got to get outside my comfort zone. But I work with a lot of like go-getters, high achievers, workaholics, perfectionists. And they're like, tell me what to do and I'll do it. Like, yeah, there's scary things, but I'm going to go do it. And I'm like, but you, that's not your comfort zone. Your comfort zone is I'm going to tell you to not do any work tomorrow, even if you have work to do. And then they're like, oh, what? I'm going to tell you to post something <laughs> on social media and not spell check it. And even if you see a spelling error, leave it up. And then they're like, oh my God. So it's like identifying what your actual comfort zone is, I think is really important. And I just like to point that out because I know people listen and they're like, oh, this part's not for me. I like totally get outside my comfort zone. I'm like, oh, there's always a comfort zone. Sometimes it's doing less versus doing more. So yes. Oh, I like that. Yeah. That's revolutionary. Even for my own brain, I'm thinking, yeah, because I'm a bestie with discomfort, but like the discomfort on my terms, I'm like, yeah. I'm just thinking, I'm like, Hmm. Yeah. Okay, okay, there's, I like this. Yeah. There's always, and it's always identifying what that is. Not so we can like, I mean, yes, call ourselves out because I do consider myself the tough love coach. And that's kind of like what I do. I'm never like mean, but I'm like, we kind of have to have honest conversations with ourselves. And it's always like the, like where you want the most control, whether you want to play small and have control over not being seen or like the, again, like a workaholic, like never really taking a day off or like deciding to like you know, not touch your phone for an entire day is extremely uncomfortable. And so I think when it comes to whether, whether you're on the, you know, you have straight up like fears about being seen and that's the comfort zone or what we just talked about kind of comfort zone with like workaholics and perfectionists, I think getting the, the, the key of it. And this is again, something that I do in my work is not just doing what you see on social media where people like get outside your comfort zone, tackle your fears in terms of like trauma and like trauma work that can be very triggering for some people. And like, if they if, like getting outside their comfort zone could like send them into a spiral. So we have to identify like baby steps. I call them like digestible steps of like what that looks like. So I'll like, I have my clients create like a comfort zone list. So if you look like the back of a hot sauce bottle and it's like, this is one pepper spicy and this is 10 pepper spicy, like let's create that for your comfort zone. So if you want to start sharing more on social media, but you're afraid to show your face or talk on camera. The first thing you need to do, somebody else might be like, go live, just rip the bandaid off. That might be so yeah. terrifying that it's going to make it so your nervous system registers showing your face on camera as too overwhelming. So then you're always going to have resistance and you're always going to procrastinate. But if you say instead, I'm going to just pop on my camera in my room and record myself talking, but no one sees it. That's a step in the right direction. Then maybe you send the video to a person. Then maybe you record a video and you post it. It's like, take the digestible steps to do that. But then going back to the work I always do is also going back and asking, what's the reason that I'm scared to get uncomfortable in the first place? Because there's lots of reasons. It could be that was the behavior role modeled for you. I work with a lot of clients who have parents who like, don't like or make them super sheltered. And the idea of like getting outside their comfort zone means that it's unsafe. And so they have to navigate that. Or maybe they did get outside their comfort zone once before and it was like really traumatizing for some reason and they have to navigate that. 
the body keeps the score it remembers and so we need to make sure that we're listening to it before we just go and like throw ourselves into the lion's den with our comfort zone. Cause then we think getting outside of our comfort zone has to be super scary. But if you create five to 10 digestible steps before you ever get to like the big, big goal, by the time you get to the big, big goal, you've like prepped for the marathon. You can run versus trying to run a 5k on day one. You know what I mean? It's, it's about mm -hmm. prepping yourself. So it's easier to do. Yeah. And it's, it's funny. Cause I'm thinking back to, I was just sort of reflecting on my, my speaking journey. Mm -hmm. And I remember the first time somebody I was in a I was in a group and somebody the coach in there was like, Hey, you guys are going to do lives for your homework. And I was like, <gasps> like, like paralyzed, I felt like I couldn't do it. But I pushed myself because it was a baby step. There was only like a few of us in the yeah. actual group. And once you do that, and you feel like, okay, I was okay. All of those things I was fearful of, the judgment, all those things, they didn't happen. So you yeah. show yourself the proof that you're going to be okay. And then pretty soon it's like those little baby steps, but you keep your nervous system sort of calm and cool collected the whole time as you go. So I really agree with that because now I'm like podcasting. I'm up on yeah. stages speaking. I have like, I could hop on a live right now and say, I have zero problem with it. Yeah. Had I had I thought that years ago that I'd be doing this? No freaking way. I had to show myself and sort of like have, have my own back throughout that process, be my own support system and show myself I can get through that. And now I feel like I can get through anything. Yeah, I think. And, and that's the thing too, is like for some people throw like going cold Turkey or not going cold Turkey, but like either like just jumping into it can be fine. Like for me, I'm the kind of person that like, I work well like that in terms of human design, I'm an ego authority and like ego authority is like the most rare authority. And we are the ones that have like a lot of willpower and no fear. So like I work well in terms of like, just throw me out into whatever and I'll do it. So I think it's important again, back to the work that I do is knowing how you work best. You have to like also have an honest conversation with yourself of like, cause you could also convince yourself maybe you would be good like that, but you'd be like, yeah, no, I'm not like have an honest conversation with yourself and see what feels good and test some things out. You might be, I don't want to say better off, but you might be in a good position to like rip the bandaid off and do something super outside your comfort zone in the beginning. And you might be someone that needs to build, build yourself up. But I think having that honest conversation with yourself and figuring out like what might be best and trying things out is, is, is going to help you get where you want to go. What do you think are some of the components to have an honest conversation with yourself? Cause I, I also think that that's not always something that is second nature for people. We're, maybe we weren't even taught it as children growing up having on honest conversation with myself now is, is something I do on the daily. I'm like constantly talking to myself, but for those people listening who, who might not be comfortable, what do you think are some of the steps to get comfortable with having that honest conversation? I think the first thing that comes to mind is, and this is just cause I think with like the ADHD brain with people with ADHD tend to have something called, um, RSD, which is rejection sensitivity dysphoria, which essentially means, and I, and I, I believe that people without ADHD can also have it as well. It's just people with ADHD are more likely to have it. Um, but it means that they have like a high fear of rejection and like they can take the smallest bit of criticism and make it mean that like they're the worst person ever. And so. I think when we think about having honest conversations with yourself, because I'm always reverse engineering, my thing is, okay, what would make having an honest conversation with yourself hard? And it would be like, if you have an honest conversation with yourself and you're honest, 
you're going to realize that you have faults. You're going to realize that there's things that you need to fix. And that can feel like rejection. That can feel like negativity. And so it would be to first have just the conversation with yourself about like, me having an honest conversation with myself is going to be for growth. It's going to be to make me better. It doesn't mean if I realize that like, should I had an honest conversation with myself? Now I realize that there's things I need to work on, or I'm, I feel like I'm failing. Like you need to be able to navigate that. And that's why people don't have honest conversations with themselves is because it brings things to the surface and they're trying to avoid that. And so if you have a fear of failure or if you have a fear of rejection or whatever, I think it would be important to navigate that. Um, so when you do have the honest conversation and you go, okay, here's information, it's just data. It's just information. That's all failure is. Failure is just data. It's this thing did not work. It's not, it doesn't have to mean anything about you personally, but it just means this thing didn't work. So it's just information. It is just data. And when you get that information, you get that data and you come to it with a neutral, from a neutral place, it's like, I can fix this. I can improve on this. And I, I like to look at it as getting excited. Whenever I find out something that doesn't work, I get excited because now I'm like, I'm one step closer to figuring out how it does work. You know what I mean? So I think that would be that conversation before you have the honest conversation would be first. And then I think, um, like where to have the honest conversations, if you feel like maybe you can't get that information out of you just yet, which I think is why working with mentors or having someone who is like kind of a third party person, not your mom, not your friend, but like a third party person that maybe doesn't know you or doesn't know you as well, um, can be helpful but talking to a mentor and you could talk to a friend or someone, but someone where you're like, I'm trying to have an honest conversation with myself about the things that I need to fix. Like, do you notice anything? Because one of the things that I do with my clients in like week three of my program, um, they have like this homework to reach out to three to five people that they like know and trust and ask them like, what are their strengths? What are their weaknesses? And how would they like explain that, like that person to some, to a stranger. And like, it's always really uncomfortable. No one really likes hearing, everybody likes hearing the good things, but nobody really likes hearing like the negative things, but we navigate that. We work through that. And I think when you can hear that information, that can maybe open the door for you to see things, but I think most people are able to have that on us conversation. You have to just be willing to not make it mean anything about like who you are as a person. It's only just going to help you grow. So, mm -hmm. yeah. And, and really just having that safety inside of yourself, knowing that you're going to be okay, I think is probably one of like the baseline things to go to have yeah. before you go into those For conversations, sure. which is why working with a coach is so important and so helpful because you can hold that space. If somebody can't hold that for themselves, you are there to hold that space for them. Yeah, for sure. So you are a host inside of our Evolve and Expand online retreat. You are presenting a workshop, um, Navigating Fear and Procrastination from Self-Sabotaging to Second Nature. We're so excited to have this inside of this retreat. Can you tell us a little bit about a little sneak peek? I know, um, yeah, self-sabotage to second nature. That sounds pretty enticing. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, I think with every, and we are human beings, so we're going to self-sabotage. But I think one of the things that I do in my work and I like to help people realize is that when we think we have a problem, it's constantly, uh, what I notice is, people look at it as this thing that's like, I either am doing this wrong or I'm doing it right. And like, we have to, the, to get to where we want to go and the goal and the, 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 that place, it's like this awful battle to get there. And we kind of look at it as 
how I feel now and what it would feel like there seems so far from each other, whether it's like you're making no money and you want to make 10 K months, or you want to have healthy relationships, or you don't have any healthy relationships and you want to have healthy relationships. You struggle with procrastination and you want to not struggle with procrastination. The, that difference in like what life would be like and what it would feel like seems so that, that the, the path there seems really far. And so what I like to help people do is by working through the root of why we're doing what we're doing and kind of what's going on, I find that the path to get there is less of this like going through the mud and the climbing. And yes, it's going to be hard, but because you're working on more of what's underneath why you're not doing anything like procrastination, for example, instead of just continuing to buy planners and trying to be better with time management, which is just like, it's just like, it feels like, how can I get to where I want to go when this feels so hard? So this feeling like pulling teeth instead of being second nature. So I like to help people figure out how to make the process to get where they want to go a little, not, I don't want to necessarily use the word easier, but again, this idea of second nature where it's kind of like, I don't know, a month, two months, three months go by. And you're like, oh, this kind of just flowed more easily into where I want to go versus feeling like constantly feeling like I'm banging my head against the wall, feeling like, okay, eventually this is going to click. It's like, no, let's figure out why it's not clicking. So then slowly it makes more sense. Like even just thinking about, um, I always use like fitness examples just cause that's what I did, but like people going to the gym or no, I, the, the good example is like the snooze button. So like if you hit, always hit the snooze button and you hit it, you have like 17 alarms, one that's not good for you, but we won't even go into that. It's not good for your brain. It's not good for like your health, whatever. And so when people, when I talk to people and like, it's one of the, no matter who I work with, it's like one of the first questions I ask because I think it has such a profound effect on your health. Sleep is so important. So I'll ask them like, what are your sleep habits? Do you scroll before you go to bed? Do you pick up your phone as soon as you wake up and do you get snooze. So if I have somebody who's like, yeah, I'm like a 18 alarm snoozer. The idea of getting to the place where you hit snooze 18 times. And then you, to the point where you just wake up without an alarm or like you don't hit snooze at all is so seems like the hardest thing. Cause when you wake up on that first day, when you're not supposed to hit snooze, you feel exhausted, you feel tired because that's what your body's used to. And so mm -hmm. they think that like, that's how they're going to feel all the time. And it's just not the truth in the first like week or so you probably will feel like that. But if you can uh, navigate like the things that you need to do to make hitting the snooze button, uh, more difficult technically. Cause there's things that you can do. It makes it so it feels a little bit more second nature versus like pulling teeth. And so I know snooze doesn't have to necessarily do with like mindset, but it's just proof that when you know how to, and this is like what I want to teach is like, when you know how to set yourself up for success, whether it's more of the setting yourself up for success in terms of the inner work, the mindset work, cause I do both. I'm all about the mindset, the inner, the spiritual, but I'm also in terms about logistics and strategy. We do both. And so when you know how to set your systems up and in, internally and externally, that process to go from any way you're self-sabotaging to more second nature and free flowing is going to be so much easier than like this, like uphill battle that feels like you want to rip your hair out. So I kind of am going to be diving into like the internal and the external regard, whatever your goals are. If you have a business, if you don't have a business, if we're talking about mindset related goals, if we're talking about like money goals, whatever, like you're going to be able to apply this two-sided process to make achieving new things, breaking in new habits, new perspectives, it's not going to feel like you have to rip your hair out or pull, pull out your teeth.
It's not saying it's going to be super easy, but the process is just going to feel more free flowing. And like it makes more. Well, dang. <laughs> If that doesn't make somebody want in that workshop, I don't know what does. <laughs> From pulling your hair out to free flowing. Heck yes. 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 <laughs> so the way I like to leave this podcast is I always ask my guests to like spit out a little bit of inspiration or a message for our viewers, something just from the heart. If they're listening today, maybe they're having a bad day or they're having they're wanting to like, you know, further their journey in mind, body, soul, whatever it is. Do you have a little bit of like anything that comes to mind as far as just a little bit of inspiration and motivation? Yeah. I'm kind of going to go off. Like I was telling you, but I think before we hopped on, um, recording was just like, I have like just the wildest things going on in my life right now. There, there's like a lot of really good things, but like this, the past two days, it felt it literally felt like my life was crumbling. And I was like, what I was literally just like in my office, like looking around, like what's going on. And so like, if you are feeling that way at all, uh, at any point right now, or you've felt it in the past, you're probably going to feel it at some point in the future. I think the important thing and this is where like a little bit of my tough love comes in. Cause I'm kind of somewhere in the middle where when we're, I'm, I'm not going to be, I'm not the kind of coach for you. If you need someone that's like very feminine and gentle and I see you and I hear you, like I see you and I hear you, but like, let's get to work. And so, but yeah. I also can give compassion. So I'm not too far on the feminine side, but I'm also not too on the masculine side where it's like hustle, get it done. Like, just like go rip the bandaid off. Like I'm somewhere in the middle. And so with that, I think that when we are going through a lot of things in life, we feel like we either have to completely check out and just take care of our mental health and not do anything. And if you want to do that, that's fine. There's nothing wrong with it. Or we have to just grind and move. I think that it's never either or it's always end. You get to have both. And so if you're going through it, the way to find the middle ground for me is focusing on just like three things that I can do every day that are going to move the needle forward in my life or my business, but also make me feel, cause we, we thrive off of dopamine, regardless of whether they have ADHD or not. When we mark that thing off our to-do list, our dopamine just, whoop, we just feel it. It feels good. When we get things done, when we're done work for the day and we finished all the emails, we're like, hell yeah. And so I think that focusing on not 15 things, don't make a, a 30 thing to-do list, but don't completely check out because sometimes, I mean, again, you can, but like sometimes checking out, <laughs> getting back into the swing of things causes more stress later on. So I think if you can find the middle ground of I'm going to do just three things and whether they take 15 minutes or two hours, but three things that are going to move me in the direction I want, I feel like that can help you find the balance between like not falling off the wagon completely, but also like getting the little bit of dopamine you need in that self-motivation so you can find like that middle ground and keep going. You know what I mean? So, cause I know that's what I do for myself. Like right now I got a lot of things going on. So all I do is focus on three things a day. And if I have the space and capacity for more, I'll do it. And if not, Hey, I got my three things done. And I think that can kind of help you like keep riding the roller coaster of life that it is sometimes. Oh yeah. And every, but every day can be a little bit different. Some exactly. days you are just going to get those three day, things done. And then some days you're going to get the three things and just feel like you're on cloud nine, your whole mood, everything shifted and now you're unstoppable. Exactly. So not every day has to be the same. Totally. Well, I love all this. This was so fun. We are yeah. so thrilled to have you inside of our retreat. So if you guys want to know about tickets, go see Alexis. She's got all of the goods for you. And of course we do too. Um, where can people yeah. find you? 
I'm just the tough love coach on Instagram. I think I'm on that, like on all other platforms too, threads now, um, TikTok, all the things. Um, I'm mainly on Instagram. So if you want to find me there, shoot me a DM. Let's chat. I'm always on my stories. I'm on so I'm on Instagram a lot. Like, so you'll you'll find mm-hmm. me there. I also have a podcast called XOXO, your tough love coach. So tough love coach, you probably find me anywhere. That's that's where I'll be. Cool. Awesome, my friends. Okay, well, thank you so much for being on the Rising Rebel podcast, and we'll talk to you later. If you've made it to the end of this episode, that means you're committed to expanding your mindset, shifting your beliefs, and the journey back to self. We are so honored and absolutely grateful to have you along for the ride. If you enjoyed this conversation, please help us spread the message by sending this episode to a friend. The Rising Rebel is dedicated to creating a paradigm shift where women remember how truly magical and innately worthy they are. See you next week. And remember, empowered women are good for the world.